The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. there. Welcome back to Olson and Olson Mystery Agency. <laughs> we'll solve gonna, any crime by dinner time. We're going to put on our trench coats and fedoras for you. Never Fedoras are never okay. Yeah, not past like 1950. No, those like hats that have the two rims forward and backward. That's fine though. Okay. That's fine. Um, I also, we apologize for the audio quality on the last episode. Yeah. Your girl Kayla was still sleepy maybe i don't know i forgot i forgot how to... <laughs> jordan's giving me a look like i have four heads yeah girl jordan can barely turn on the computer so well, all right it's i it's i you talk to us sometime we'll talk all about the job and a case for you yes if you missed anything basically it's unsolved but we have another gripping and riveting case for you that's a little less well known Yes, that's true. I Everyone I've asked about it was like, huh? 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 So that's how you know. Oh, this is Biopsychosocial, by the way. Welcome back to Biopsychosocial. <laughs> this is another Jordan episode. It is another Jordan episode. And we're going to talk about the Sodders. Yes. The mysterious disappearance of the Sodder children. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll just get right into it. Yeah, let's dive into it. Dive in. So, once upon a time. Oh, it's one of these. Is there a princess? Just us. Oh, okay. Yeah. But th- but there's, you know, there's death and mystery. We love that. Well, I mean, I don't love people dying. Me but either. I love the mystery. Maybe people didn't die. We'll okay. See. Well, you we'll get, yeah, we'll get there. It was Christmas Eve. What is it with me picking bad things that happen on Christmas? I don't know. I'm just trying to make a case can't, for Halloween. Uh, well, and can't you pick like a Hallmark a movie or something if you like Christmas so much? <laughs> I don't like Christmas. I'll, listen, Hallmark movie, white collar, one person, and blue collar, other person, fall in love. They have nothing in common and hate each other originally and end up together. The end. And it's filmed in an affluent town in Connecticut to make you think that the entire state of Connecticut is affluent. And somebody owns a really niche store. Bookstore. A bookstore. Candle store. Soap store. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Something ridiculous. So anyway, back to 1945, Christmas Eve. I'm sure everybody got Did everyone talk like this? Everybody talked like this. Oh, wait till you get to the names in this story. (laughs) All right, Sonny. I like the cut of your jib. If you need me to do any quotes in that voice, I will. I might need you to. Okay. Um, I may need you to repeat a couple people's names, actually. All right, so at any rate, Fayetteville, West Virginia. Okay. The brink of the Bible Belt. Good Lord. George and Jenny Sodder were Italian immigrants who came over from Italy when they were children. Jenny was a toddler. George was school-aged. Okay. Between 10 and 13, I've seen. Bo- so both of them Italian immigrants. Italian immigrants. pop a boopy pop a boopy I always forget. I forget that you're actually Italian and I don't just make you Italian because we met in Italian class. <laughs> yes. So Kayla and I met 
in high school, and we met in our high school Italian class. Yes, we did. I was a freshman, and she was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And we first started talking to each other because we had the same shirt on. And it said, I love nerds. And it was bright green. And we both love nerds, both the candy and the people. Yes, delicious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so so we've been friends ever since. It's been about 15 years. So anyway, these lovely Italian immigrants, George and Jenny Sauter, met in America, obviously, and they were well-respected in the community. It wasn't mm-hmm. a case of, you know, they were social pariahs or outcasts. Right. They were well-liked and well-respected in the community. They had 10 children, kind of an average family for the time. Ah! Thank you, Rhythm Method. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the more children you had, the more, like, hands around the house, I suppose. That's true. Yeah. And infant mortality was a little bit higher. Yeah, it sure was. And also, there was no Netflix. Yeah. So less to do. So, hey, just keep making kids. Um, so I've been, I've listened to podcasts on this and I've like, you know, I've heard people talk about this show, the, this family a couple of times and they kind of make a big deal that he didn't talk about why he left Italy, but uh, he was like 10. Yeah. He was a kid. And that was kind of, that was kind of standard in that generation. Right. Where you really didn't talk about why you left your country of origin. Right. And also, he left with his brother, who was, he left with his older brother. Mm-hmm. No mention of any parents. Right. So either they died or they were back in. I mean, that, that sounds like the immigration story of most of my family members. Yeah, that's basic. Yeah, that's basically. I, my grandfather came with just his dad. Yeah. Yeah, families were, you know, families were split up and half the people came over. Sometimes they joined, sometimes they didn't. Mm-hmm. So it was obviously kind of, a, it was obviously a traumatic story and obviously right. a traumatic time. So I don't find that, I don't find that odd. I'm just going to mention that. So it doesn't seem like I overlooked it. So it was pretty standard. At any rate, uh, they went to sleep on Christmas Eve with nine of their children who were still living in the house. Um, they're Older, oldest or older son uh, was in the military, so he did not live at home. Uh, so at 12.30, Christmas morning, so it was Christmas Eve, clocked, turned midnight over to Christmas morning, Jenny had woken up to the telephone ringing. Apparently, she picked up the phone and just heard laughter, glasses clanking, and no one talking. Apparently, it was the first pocket dial. She went back to bed, and on her way up, she noticed that the lights were still on, and the house kind of wasn't ready for bedtime. So she turned off all the lights, um, closed the curtains, locked the door, went back to bed. She was like, listen, you little shits. Go to bed. (laughs) Go to bed. Um, And when she was going back to sleep, she heard a loud bang and rolling across the roof. But she still fell back asleep. She probably thought it was Santa. Probably thought it was Santa. Also, good for her. I cannot go back to sleep for anything. No. So bless her heart. Uh, So 1 a.m., fire started in the home. Mr. and Mrs. Sauter woke up to their house burning down, obviously ran out. uh, And four of their children ran out right along with them. So that leaves five children that are unaccounted for. Mm -hmm. So Maurice, who was 14, Martha, who was 12, Louis, 9, Jenny, 8, and Betty, 5, were all unaccounted for. Wow. I use the term deliberately, too. After George got out, realized that, you know, half his family was still missing, uh, he broke back into the house. Mm -hmm. Like a badass, actually. Yeah. Ran back into the house. The kids... uh, the five kids shared a total of two bedrooms upstairs. So he busted back into the house and the staircase was just engulfed in flames. Wow. He could not get back. So all of the children who were missing were on the top floor. Yep. Okay. So we think. 
that's what that's the amount of knowledge that we have at this point. Uh, so he ran out of the house, realized he couldn't get back upstairs, and was still not going to give up. So he kept a ladder on the side of the house. He went to go grab it because he was going to climb up onto the second mm-hmm. floor and try to get the kids out that way. Was it a rose such a clatter? He, he yeah sprang from the deck to see what was the matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, sorry. Um. <laughs> So the clatter was, the, the, the rose such a ladder, uh, he could have used one because the ladder was gone. The ladder was gone. The ladder How was, convenient. No shit. And it gets worse. So ladder was gone. And then George said, I'm going to grab my coal truck. He had two. Wait, coal truck? Yes. Like, this was the 40s. This was still the age of coal. Did, was he a coal miner or did he just happen to have trucks full of coal? I forgot what he did for a living and I didn't make a note of it. But I just see them having a lot of land and okay. moving coal. Anyway, so he had a coal truck. So he drove it up next to the fire. Well, he tried to drive it up next to the fire. Cars wouldn't start. Cars he huh. used every day wouldn't start. Son of a bitch. So he got the ladder. I gotta give this guy props because he really... He, he thought on his feet. He did. He did. I could barely form a sentence at one o'clock in the morning. I know. The only thing that isn't bizarre. He tried to, you know, go to the, he tried to go to the water supply, the rain, like the rain bucket, the rain barrels to try to just put the fire out himself okay. and they were frozen. Well, which yeah. was the middle of the, it was middle of the night in the middle of December. Right. Before global warming. So it was actually cold. Damn it. Could have avoided this whole thing. Uh, so, so while George was trying his damnedest just to get the kids out of the fire, one of the daughters ran to the neighbor's house to try mm-hmm. to call to try to call for help. And this was before, way before nine one one. Way before nine one one, it would have come in handy actually. So another neighbor tried to call the fire department too. So the daughter and another neighbor tried to call the fire department. They couldn't get a hold of the fire department. Finally, a neighbor just drove to the fire department. He was like, fuck this. This is ridiculous. He drove to the fire department. That sounds like me. (laughs) I'm just going to drive. So he found the fire chief. I might need your accent because this is a stereotypically 1940s name. F.J. Morris. (laughs) F.J. Morris. Chief F.J. Morris. Fire department. So what did this guy do? He started the fire department phone tree. Okay. Like they were canceling freaking bingo at the senior center. <laughs> well, that's what they had back then. <laughs> fire at the Sodders. Fire at the Sodders. Fire at the Sodders. It's like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> fire at the Sodders, you hell. Get your britches on. We gotta go fight the fire at the Sodders. Anyway, so <laughs> everybody was getting alerted. The fire department was only two and a half miles away from the Sodder home. What? They didn't get there till 8 a.m. So this was eight hours? Seven hours. Seven hours. Seven hours after the fire had started, the fire department got there. Okay. You could have watched the movie Titanic twice, and the Titanic itself could have sank three times. (laughs) Did you look up those statistics? No, I just know. I just, I've just seen the movie Titanic. (laughs) Two hours and 20 minutes after the collision, the fat guy was saying that when he took Mm -hmm. the old lady down in the submarine. I remember when Titanic came out on VHS. It was on two VHS tapes. Two VHSs. And I remember it, the, the first scene on the second VHF on the second VHS was Rose getting slapped across the face by <laughs> Billy Zane. Like, like you put the second okay, ah, oh, the ship's sinking. You put the second movie in and it's just Kate Winslet like getting pimp slapped. She was just she just got backhanded. Anyway, so 
Yeah, they, they could have pushed the fire trucks there in last time. Obviously, the bur- whole, the house had burned down completely. Yeah. The house had been burning for seven hours. Seven hours. The cause of the fire was thought to be faulty wiring. However, the lights were on when the fire started. How faulty could the wiring uh-huh. be? Uh-huh. And the Sodders had just assumed that the five kids had died in the fire. A fair assumption. Except for the fact that no remains were found. Dun, dun, dun! So, F.J. Morris. <laughs> Chief F.J. Morris. I don't call him Chief because he's kind of useless. Oh, no. He proposed that the five bodies were cremated by the fire. And why do we not believe that, Jordan? Oh, girl, I got I got things. So, True Crimes wasn't really a hobby yet, so they accepted this. Yep. And they're like, well, we didn't read that on Reddit, so it must be true. Yeah. So the cause of de- so they issued death certificates for the five Sodder kids. Okay. Uh, cause of death: fire or suffocation. They weren't sure. They weren't sure. All right. <laughs> Cracks knuckles. Cracks knuckles. I got issues. I got a lot of problems with this theory, and you're going to hear about it. <laughs> All right. So I did a basic Google search. Average house fire burns at 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. On average, mm-hmm. I found varying numbers because I'm sure no asshole is sticking a thermometer <laughs> in a fire. They're just getting away from it. That would it. be my dad. He has a like a laser temperature. Oh, my God. What is the word I'm thinking? Laser thermometer. Yeah. And he'll, he will, he'll like shoot it in your coffee and tell you how hot your coffee is. <laughs> he is the most dad dad ever. So maybe he compiled all of this data. Person just showing up at house fires. <laughs> hey, just checking the temperature. Thanks. My daughter has a podcast, Biopsychos. <laughs> he's very he would do that too he's very supportive all right so kayla and i are both mutually big fans of ask a mortician um, yes who's caitlin Doty? she's a mortician she owns a funeral home in california and she's a big proponent of death positivity natural burial knowing your options of what you can do with your body right. after she you knows die. a lot about death and she's not afraid to talk about it yes she's got which a youtube fantastic. channel she's got a couple books check her out if she if she is listening to this i would be the happiest woman on the planet so i'm going to cite her memoir smoke it's in your eyes uh-huh which Good is one. about um her first job in the funeral industry which is um a crematory a crematory operator and she stated in her book uh they start cremating bodies at 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so that's a 400 degree difference. Correct. Just just small. Yeah. And even so, um, when you cremate a body, fragments of bone do remain. So when right. you cremate a body, it's all the organic material burns away and the in- inorganic matter is still left behind. But it's not in the lovely powdery mm-hmm. ashes or more accurate, accurately cremated remains that we associate with right so um, so you they end up having to pulverize some of the bones yeah they pulverize them in something called a cremulator Ooh, great name for a metal band yeah when are we starting our metal band when either of us gets musically talented yeah so that being said this guy is fos this you wouldn't not have any sort of remains. You would see dry, fragmented bones right. in the rubble. And also the appliances and hot fires don't burn down. It's not just a pile of ash. You would notice, oh, look, a part mm-hmm. of a skull. Yes. So Jenny Sauter, who was the reluctant OG crime enthusiast and yeah. first proponent of death positivity, um, burned some bones. Like she experimented with burning bones. Hey. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. And she was like, 
No, would have been remains of my kids. Assuming it was like animal bones, right? Yeah. She wasn't murdering people and <laughs> no. testing out her theory. <laughs> no. So, so we have... So she kind of, uh, kind of had the first body farm almost. Kind of, yeah, actually. Go Jenny. Go Jenny. The, they're both actually... Jenny and George are really cool. Well, they're Italian. Don't fuck with them. No. No, he's running into trying to run into a burning building three right. times. Exactly. Jenny's going, uh-uh, where are my kids? Mm-hmm. So I, there's a ton of theories of what happened to these kids. We still don't know. It's an unsolved crime. I guess a lot of weird stuff happened before the fire. Okay. So a few months prior, a guy showed up to their house looking for work and remarked at the fuse boxes at their house and said, that'll start a fire someday. It could just be a weird dude. And they were like, sir, we didn't ask. Sir, no kidding. And plus every fuse box from the 40s with the big crank thing looked like it could start a fire. Right, right. <laughs> uh, uh, George Sauter had just had the wiring checked by the power company and everything was up to standard, mm-hmm. whatever it was for that right. time, which was nothing is on Minimal. fire at the moment. Yes. Uh, anyway, this is so bizarre. A life insurance salesman showed up. To the house is tempting to sell life insurance to Mr. Sauter. Hmm. Gets worse. And George said, no, thank you, bye-bye. And this life insurance salesman apparently lost his ever-loving mind and screamed at George Sauter, and I quote, Your goddamn house is going up in smoke, and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Who brought up... Yeah, what does Mussolini have to do with any of this except it's 1940s America and they're Italian? So, so that happens. And I, it, it feels weird to even talk about anything else after this. But just before uh, they noticed, one of the older kids noticed a man parked in a car watching the younger kids. Um, ew. Yeah, ew. Regardless, that's gross. Yes. And a witness said during the fire, they saw someone taking a block and tackle, which is like a pulley system. I uh, look it up. Yeah. Uh, used for removing car engines. Yeah, everyone has those. You don't have one? Got clamps. All right. Come in handy more than once, actually. And I guess they found a hard rubber object in the yard that George concluded was a napalm pineapple bomb. What? How did he conclude that? I don't know. I don't want to know. Did he have the anarchist cookbook, the first copy of it? Yeah, he had the pre-release copy of the... When was the Anarchist Cookbook released? Probably the 70s. Probably the 70s. Children, do not look that up online. Do not. It is very illegal. Do not let your search engine get weird. So that's a lot. So it's a lot of weird stuff that happens. Some of it may be coincidence, except for the life insurance salesman, because that's just weird. Uh, So there's been reports of seeing the missing children. Some say they saw them get into a car when the house was burning. They alleged uh, they saw them in a tourist shop in West Virginia. What were they buying hermit crabs or something? What else are you doing in a tourist shop? <laughs> tourist shop. Anyway. Oh, look, this one has my name on it. <laughs> I was always mad because mine was, you know, blue because we have to gender everything. Oh, I never even found my name. Kayla, really? Yes. Kay- or my sister. My sister's name is Alexis. Alexis and Kayla. We have weird names, I guess. You really don't, though. <laughs> no. No, you're not like Apsity or anything. There's a lot of Russian men named Alexis, though. Is it really? I think so. (laughs) Your poor sister. So they were with four adults, two women, two men, all Italian. Don't know how they know this. Um, And I guess they were pretty protective of the kids, which, sure. And they didn't let the lady talk to them that they saw, that, you know, reported seeing them. 
I which mean, is fine. I, I wouldn't let random people talk to my children. No, no. But kind of like shut the... So, I mean, the family was appropriately suspicious. They couldn't find their kids. They couldn't find remains of their kids. And the fire was under some shisty circumstances. So they attempted to contact the FBI. But the FBI said it was a local matter. It didn't fall under their jurisdiction. Which is fair, but they were happy to help. They said we would help if the local authorities agreed, which they did not. Well, probably because they didn't want the FBI to know that they fucked something up. Well, that they took seven hours to get to yeah. the fire. Yeah. Well, I, which then, I don't know what happens. Would they get arrested by the FBI? I don't think so. I don't really think so. Did they no. have like an internal investigations bureau back then? They probably had like, I'm just, I don't know why I'm just picturing the cop from the Simpsons in a room. <laughs> I don't know. So, so they, so they got no help there. So they hired a private investigator, another very 1940s name, C.C. Tinsley. What is that? C.C. Tinsley. C.C. Tinsley. At your service. Private investigator. P.I. P.I. He just has a gray trench coat on and yeah, it's the whole thing. He was actually kind of useful. He found the the fascist life insurance salesman. Um, he found out that he was a member of the coroner's jury that ruled the fire an accident. Oh, how convenient. Seriously. And he also found out that Fire Chief Morris <laughs> said he had found a human heart at the scene. Excuse me? Uh-huh. So long story short, too late. Any clue fans? Um, he didn't. It was actually beef liver. I'm so confused by all of that anyway. So first of all, if he's going to, if he's going to say that the human remains burned, now he's telling us, but there was a heart left over. How does that make any sense? Heart would be the last thing to be left over. It's muscle. Right. And so why would a beef liver survive a fire? Yeah. Someone probably, someone in that fire department probably brought a snack with them. (laughs) I just got out of bed. I brought my leaf beef liver. Ate the weirdest fucking things in the forties. That's true. Spam. Some people still eat it. I know. Jello. Was jello a thing in the forties or was that a little bit? Yeah. And people used to put weird things in like clear jello, like hot dogs. Ugh. Jello can go back to hell. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry, any Jello fans out there still continue to watch, but um, so they did try to excavate what they could from the fire, um, from like the fire site, right. the dirt. But George had already kind of put soil on top of it. He was going to make a memorial garden to yeah. the children. Would his talents never cease? Um, they did find vertebrae bones, human vertebrae bones in the soil, uh-huh. but it, it didn't appear they had ever been exposed to a fire. So they just had some random yeah, human spine this dirt from. Yeah, maybe um, ancient Indian burial ground. Great. And that probably explains the fire. Then That's true. Good point. Case solved. Bye, guys. <laughs> we See did you it. next week. We did it. <laughs> it's not even dinner time. Poltergeist up in here. So at any rate, they never gave up. You know, they never gave up searching for their kids. Of they course not. Billboards. They put out flyers. They yeah. The I think one of the first, if you Google the Sauter yeah. family, one of the first things you'll see in the images is uh, the billboard of all of their faces. Of all their faces, yeah. Of all the kids. Black and white, of course. Of course, black and white. Not red all over. Um, <laughs> they investigated every tip that came their way. Anytime someone called and said, "I think I know where the kids is," nothing. I do have to mention the one thing that was like very, that struck me is like the most feasible. There was a letter addressed just to Jenny Sodder, the mother, that had a photo of a man in his 20s. And written on the back, it said Louis Sodder. 
who was the one of the who was nine at the time of the miss at the time he went missing. Okay, and it said, "I love brother Frank. I love brother Frankie. Little boys." A nine zero zero one three two or three five, and the photo re- resembled their son Lewis. And I saw the picture; it did, and it came from Kentucky. So they sent another private investigator. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was C.C. Tinsley uh, to Kentucky, but they never heard from him again. Oh, the private investigator just went missing. Maybe he was Brother Frankie. Maybe, maybe they're out. They're happy somewhere. Anyway. So George and Jenny continued to search for the children the rest of their lives. The the numbers, they sound like prison serial numbers, like an inmate identification Read number. them again. A900132 or 35. Okay, they couldn't tell if it was a two or a five. No, they wrote out or three five, oh. so maybe they didn't know. Well, two and five look similar. So it almost seemed like someone trying to give them a tip. Yeah. An anonymous tip. Yeah. Even though... This was way before caller ID and, like, tracing calls. You could have just called them and said that. They had to be cryptic about it? Apparently. Well, if it was somebody in jail, they would have to send a letter. This is true. Yeah. As far as we know, the whole family, with the exception of their youngest child, Sylvia Sauter Paxton, who was two at the time of the fire and does yep. have recollection of it. Wow. Um, have Well, yeah. It's got, it had to be a pretty crazy thing. Have died. We obviously, if you believe that the five kids died in the fire, the whole family's dead, or it's possible that the other kids are alive. Right. Some, like the younger ones, possible. Um, she still maintains that her siblings didn't die that night, and the family that's still surviving, you know, their offspring maintain the kids didn't die that night. Interesting. What do you think happened? I don't think they died. No? You think someone snatched them? I want to have a body. I want to see a body. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they just didn't look, as my mother would say, they weren't looking with their eyes? <laughs> um, hard to miss. It's hard to miss human remains. Mm. And I have to think, houses weren't gigantic in those days. No, they really weren't. They, they were, were pretty simple and people yeah. had less shit. Yes. That's why they were smaller. Yeah, they were smaller. People had less shit. People required a little less room. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been noticeable. Yes. And... They didn't want him to get back into that house to get those kids. Yeah, that's all very convenient. Yeah. Because it was his house. I know where everything is in my house. Right. Well, I'm wondering, so they were on the second floor. Yep. I bet the house collapsed after burning for seven hours. Mm -hmm. So you would really have to sift through rubble to find the remains because it could be mixed in. It could be beneath something. Sure. um, Which they obviously didn't do. I've always thought it was a mafia hit. Of some sort. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, a lot of the times Italian immigrants, especially back then, would come over and make, uh, connect with the mafia that was in the United States. Um, not to, like, become part of a gang, but as, like, a, a source of income and protection. and Source of security. I mean, it was a very, it was, um, it did have a, where they lived did have, um, like, a strong Italian. Right. Heritage, which, like, not deep south, but... I don't want to say light south, but like, you know, the Carolinas, <laughs> Virginia, they do have like a, yeah. a bigger Italian population than one would think. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he inadvertently fell into it. Um, the other thing that strips me up is the mention of Mussolini. Why would they bring up Mussolini? Right. I mean, I don't think the mafia was very, I don't, but I, I don't think the mafia was for Mussolini though. I don't, were they political? No. Only as it concerned them. Correct. 
And fascism is a very, uh, it's a very rigid system of politics. Right. So you probably wouldn't, if you were, you probably wouldn't be in favor of anything that wanted all the power if you yeah. were in, if you were in the mafia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that kind of struck, uh, that kind of struck me. This is the 1940s, so it's in World War II era. Right. We look at history now and we look at, you know, fascism is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And Nazism is a bad thing. I don't know what the... Right, what the consensus was back then. Correct. So something I, something happened to those kids. I, were they trying to do something and then the kids got out of the house somehow and they just grabbed them? Yeah, that's was true. It, was it like not the intent? Like they saw them and then they're like, shit, we have to grab these kids. I heard of reports coming in of like... I think you you might have said this, but uh, reports coming in that like oh I saw the children at a diner. Yeah, the yeah the tourists. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, which was outside of I didn't mention this. It was like outside of West Virginia. It was not mm-hmm. far away from. It was the next day. Yeah, but nothing kind of ever came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some would say they saw the older daughter in a convent. They mm-hmm. saw, you know, they were living with Jenny's distant relatives. Which why would they say oh? Right. We have your kids. They're fine. Yeah. We have your cousin's kid. They're all right. But so it's, yeah, I don't feel like they took them. I feel like the plan was to burn the house down and kill everybody inside. How old was the oldest that died? 14, Maurice. So you would think that Maurice, let's see, in four years, he would be an adult. Yeah. You would think that he would go back to his family and say, I'm alive. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. If he was indeed alive and fine. So the two thoughts were they killed him, they found them, and, you know, they killed him. Murdered them off-site. Murdered them off-site. Or, I just thought of this, actually, if it was something related to fascism, they brainwashed him. True. Was Scientology a thing back then? Like- <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should talk, well, no. If we talk about Scientology, someone will come after us, I'm sure. I don't need Tom Cruise here. For all Nobody wants Tom Cruise anywhere. His front tooth's in the middle of his face. <laughs> It's true. true. (laughs) He's not symmetrical. I'm named after a Tom Cruise movie. Are you really? Yeah. Which one? Cocktail. Oh, I've never heard of it. I have it if you want to borrow it. Um, Elizabeth Shue played his girlfriend in the movie Cocktail, and her name was Jordan. Jordan Ah, I'm named after a Days of Our Lives character. I think the motif was to make my name sound like a a soap opera character, which... Ah, yes. It kind of does. Well, see, the Kayla in Days of Our Lives was married to a guy with a mullet and an eye patch, so... You have a lot to live up to. Yeah. It's a low bar. Any mulleted eye patch man out there, we have the <laughs> Kayla you've been searching for. <laughs> I think they just call him Patch, too. Well, of course they would. <laughs> you couldn't call him mullet. Seems a little rude. <laughs> couldn't call him business in the front, party in the back. No. So the billboard, mm-hmm. that's up. I think it's still up, isn't it? So it says, on Christmas Eve 1945, our home was set afire and five of our children, ages 5 through 14, kidnapped. The officials blamed defective wiring, although lights were still burning after the fire started. The official report stated that the children died in the fire. However, no bones were found in the residue and there was no smell of burning flesh during or after the fire. How did they know that? It's... It's a pretty unmistakable smell. But if you have nothing to compare it to, though. It smells like cooking fair i only know (laughs) this was from my or rotation in school that's lewis oh yeah does look like him it does what was the motive of the law officers involved what did they have to gain by making us suffer all those years of injustice 
Why did they lie and force us to accept those lies? Oh, and they have the, the picture of Lewis received in 1967. 196. So he was nine years old in 1945. So he would have been in his early 30s. So it did look like him. Yeah, it does look like someone in their 30s. Yeah, looks like someone in their 30s and it looked like him in his 30s. They all look very Italian. They do. What cutie pies. That's I terrible. Know. Isn't that terrible? And so little. Like they were like they were little kids. Yes. Mm. Mm. All right. So you asked me a random question. No, it's your episode. You have to ask me one. Okay. Um, if you if your house caught on fire and <laughs> your family photos, everybody in the family and pets were saved, what's the one thing you would save before running out of the fire? So all living things are safe. All living things are saved. The one thing I would grab. And so one thing you'd grab, yeah. I'd probably end up grabbing some things of my grandmother's yeah. that I have in the house. I don't know what. Um, she collected elephant figurines, so it might be an elephant. Or I have my great-grandmother's Ouija boards. Maybe that too. You know how it would look if you came running out of a fire with a Ouija board and clover? <laughs> they would be like, oh, she probably set the fire doing a spell or something. They're like, oh, we got another one of those witches. <laughs> what would you grab? What would I grab? Um, my wedding album. That's fair. Yeah. My wedding album or... my I, You know what? I said my wedding album right away, so probably my wedding album. Um, I, have a pic- I have a picture of my grandparents on their wedding day, too. I have a couple pictures of them on their wedding day, too, so maybe that. So it would be like a picture. So it would be yeah. like pictures. I have a bottle of wine, too, that's unopened. I'd probably grab that. I, I have a bottle of whiskey it. I've been saving. Maybe that. Yep. Yeah, my dad got it for me years ago. And I was like gonna drink it on my wedding night. I was too tired. I was gonna drink it when we bought the house. Too tired. Uh, <laughs> I'm t- hard. I'm tired. Too tired for alcohol. I was. Maybe when I turned I you know, I always said when I achieved a higher degree, I'm really dragging my feet on that. So maybe when I turn third, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Oh yeah, we have to do something for that. Eh, do we though? I spent my 30th birthday in a bookstore with Haley, so. That works. I was awesome. <laughs> I think I got invited to a wedding that weekend out of state, so maybe, yeah, Brian and I might make a long weekend, but just, there you go. just no parties. All right, that's fair. Oh, hate birthday parties, especially when they're for me. In my version of hell, uh-huh. people are constantly singing me happy birthday, oh. and I always have to hear my voice over a loudspeaker. Oh, so editing terrible. these episodes is kind of like hell for me. That I That is awful. hate hearing my own voice. <laughs> I hate getting happy birthday song to me. Yes. When I was a kid, I used to like block my ears. I used to cover my ears. <laughs> what else do you do? <laughs> no, I, I used to cover my ears. And then my everyone was like, oh, she's a kid. But when I was like 17 and doing it, they're like, let's stop singing to her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so now, um, so now we just don't. We just bring me the cake. And I don't even like cake that much. Yeah. Well, that was episode four. 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 Oh my gosh. Thanks for listening. Even after our bad sound. Yeah. We appreciate you sticking by us. You're so loyal. You are loyal followers. You're oh. so loyal and you're so smart. And funny. You have really nice hair. And a beautiful heart. And I love your outfit. Did you <laughs> pick that out yourself? It looks great. You look fantastic. You are so hot. Jordan has has nothing else to add. Listen, you're attractive. You're smart. Go get the thing. You're kind. You're smart. You're important. Do the thing that scares you. 
Yes. All right. Well, find us biopsychpod, B-I-O-P-S-Y-C-H-P-O-D on Instagram or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like what you heard, subscribe, give a five-star review, tell your whole Italian family about us. Yes. And you're not Italian family because that's fine too. Yes. Don't tell your life insurance salesman that's a fascist though because we don't need that. No, fuck that guy. Nah. And we will see you, hear you, be with you next time. Next time. Hear my cat screaming at the top of the stairs. <laughs> we have to go to Tent to Jordan's cat. All right. See you Bye. next time. See you Bye. Next time. Bye. Bye.